seed that falls in, in good soil has 30, 60, 100 fold. So it's, it's, if you've got 30, we're trusting for 60. If you've got 60, you're trusting for 100. So there's more, there's more in God. He wants to entrust us with more. And I, and I trust that we have an expectation that there is more for us, that God's not finished with you, that you haven't reached the limit of your capacity, that you haven't reached the, the kind of, well, God, how can you bless me? I'm not worthy. Actually, God, how can you bless me? Actually, if, if you knew what my life looked like, God wants to bless. He is a father that wants to generously bless. And he wants to make us fruitful. And he wants to make our families fruitful. And uh, so I want to talk this morning about being fruitful in all seasons. Being fruitful in all seasons. I remember Justin Fasaki a number of years ago said, made a statement to me. He said this, it's not about the season, it's about the soil. So it's not about the season that you're in. It's not about the climate. It's not about the economy. It's not about the government. It's not about, it's not about the season. It's about the soil. It's the condition of our hearts. That's the, that's the key. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to have a look at Mark chapter 4, which is the, the well-known text about the farmer going and sowing seed on the different, on the different uh, kinds of soil. And, and then just make a couple of comments out of that. Actually, very simple. But I think so simple that we kind of forget the simple truth of what we have in our hands right in front of us. And we're kind of looking for this obscure silver bullet that's going to come from nowhere and make us bring this breakthrough. When in fact, it, God mostly doesn't work like that. God mostly works in process and he mostly works in our hearts and so that we actually just step into fruitfulness. We step into more and more. And um, so let's have, a read, let's have a look at Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach it by the lake. The crowd that had gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat around teaching while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he said just just a quick comment the reason why Jesus teaches in parables is not to become mystical and and kind of cryptic it's not to make him sound spiritual so often we kind of do the we think that Jesus is trying to be super spiritual and we try to do the same kind of be all metaphorical and unclear that's not what Jesus is trying to do. Actually, the reason why he's teaching in parables is he wants people to listening with a heart that's pressing and leaning into him. And if you're not, you're not going to get what he's saying. Like if you, he, 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 he's, he's teaching the parable and then the guys are like, dude, what that, are you talking about planting and sowing? What are you talking about farming and agriculture? And, but, or, but if you've got ears to hear, if you've got a heart that's open, if you've got a heart that's pressing in and you want to hear what Jesus is saying, you'll get it. And uh, so this is what he's doing here again. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. 
Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced the crop, some multiplying 30, 60, and some 100 times. Imagine seeing a hundredfold increase. It's, that, that is unbelievable. So that means you put one seed in the ground, you get a hundred back. It puts a hundred rand in, if you put it in monetary terms, kind of, you get a hundred times that. What's that, 10,000? That's a good return, eh? I think, I think we've got dulled down into not believing that we have a DNA to be fruitful. You know, as a human being, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he, he created them to be fruitful. He blessed them. He, he said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to be multiplying. I want you to fill the earth and I want you to sub subdue it. I want you to take all this chaos and I want you to bring order to it. And he put them into a garden. And he creates this Edenic place of his pleasure. That's what Eden means, pleasure. And he creates this environment of pleasure. It's, it has rivers flowing into it. And the rivers have, have names like rapid, increase, fruitful. It's like everything that God puts around them is for increase and fruitfulness. Everything in the human DNA in God was created to be fruitful. Everything. And then what happens is they walk away from God. They disconnect from God. They disconnect from the source of their fruitfulness. And they reject that and they think, no, I can do this on my own. So God says, okay, well then go for it. What Jesus does, friends, is he reconnects us to our, our created purpose to be fruitful. And I think there is something in our hearts that we've got to believe for 30, 60, 100. And listen, 30-fold is quite a return. <laughs> Put 100 bucks in, get 3,000 back. That is quite a return. Imagine a 30-fold return on your prayers. Lord, let my son be saved. What does 30-fold increase on that mean? Lord, let my family be saved. What is the 30, just the 30-fold increase? I'm not just talking money here. I'm talking about the life of God flowing. That's what this fruitfulness means. It's the life of God in every area of our lives. It came up, grew, and produced this crop, some multiplying 30, 60, 100. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone with the 12 and the others around him asked him about the perils, he told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you, but those on the, on the outside, everything is said in parables. This is what I was saying earlier. So that they may, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't, understand, don't you understand this parable? Do you understand what this parable is about? So you've been given the secrets of the kingdom, but do you understand what I'm talking about here? How then will you understand any parable? The and, this is, this is, and then he goes on to explain what the parable is all about, and he says this. The farmer sows the word. 
I tell you what, friends, this is key to fruitfulness. I'm going to get to this now. Some people, along the se- some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the seed gets planted and then as soon as they hear it, it gets taken out of them because of the hardness of their hearts because it's on the path. It just gets taken from them. Others, like seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last a short time. It's too shallow. The soil's too shallow. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Difficulty comes. I've got to forgive this person because of the word. Uh, Can't do that. I've got to shift my life because of the word. My life's got to change because of this truth that's hit my heart. Because of this love that's hit my heart. It's too difficult. They shrink away. Others like seed, still others, seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. They hear it, receive it, and produce. Some 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. So Jesus tells this parable about fruitfulness and what it means to be fruitful. The first thing we've got to understand is you are made and designed to be fruitful. And in Christ, you have been restored to fruitfulness like never before. Because your roots have been planted in him. It's like you've been connected back to the source of all fruitfulness. Need to remember, you have been designed to be fruitful. And you've designed to be fruitful in all seasons, friends. We will go through many, many, many seasons in life. Who knows that life is not a cakewalk? You go through tough times, easier times, tougher times, easier and even more easier times. It's not a cakewalk. But it doesn't mean the fruitfulness dries up in our lives. If you're connected to the Father and you're connected to His life, the life continues to flow. How do we stay fruitful in a season in a tough, hard season. One of the first things we've got to realize is you've got to take your eyes off the season and put your eyes on him. First thing, if your eyes are on this, you're going to get dragged down to this level of maturity instead of God's level of understanding. Got to keep our eyes on him. If we want to stay fruitful, friends, you've got to keep your eyes on him. If you take your eyes off of him and you put your eyes on politicians, there's, an, there's, a, there's a, another, another um, is it the third one now? Or the second one now? There's a third one coming. A party manifesto launch. Put your eyes on the politicians. Not going to go well with you. Put your eyes on YouTube. Can I just say, you put your eyes on YouTube and Biz News. If you put your eyes in Biz News, you're going to plummet to the depths of despair. 
<laughs> telling you, I do it, and I have to pick myself up again. Oh, but I need to be informed in what's going on. Don't do it. It's just bad news. Keep your eyes on him. Like, so simple. First rule number one, keep your eyes on him. Yeah, but it's putting your head in the sand. No, it's putting your eyes on him. Putting your eyes on him. He knows everything. Keep your eyes on him. Don't be unaware here. The reason why we're putting our eyes on him, because I'm so aware here that if I don't put my eyes on him, I'm in trouble here. Take your eyes off of American politics. Who cares? Who cares if Donald Trump wins or doesn't win? I mean, I do care, but, but who cares? How's it gonna, how are you going to change anything? But let me tell you what, it's changing you flat out. You're getting involved with this election and primary. and we, I'm telling you, friends, the more we do that, the more we're taking our eyes off of him. We're panicking because the world's in trouble and what Putin's doing and what Poland's doing and what Hungary's doing and what Taiwan's doing and China's doing and America's doing. You cannot do anything about it. What you can do something about, keep your eyes on him. He can do something about all of that. Keep your eyes on him and pray to him. Get before him so that your heart stays in a good place. Because the kingdom is unshakable and it is coming. And it is moving. Do I like to get involved with all that stuff? Yes, I do. I'm talking from experience. Dig yourself out of a pit every now and again. We are designed to be fruitful. Have you ever read Leviticus 26? Every now and again, you've just got to have a good old read of Leviticus 26. I'm going to read it to you just to put courage into your bones. Where's my book, Ribbons? There we go. I learned a new thing about my app. This is Leviticus 26. This is my prayer for all of us. This is what he says. Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves and do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Basically he's saying keep your eyes on me. Okay, we made that point already. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence in my sanctuary. Basically what he's saying, remember we were reading this through New Testament eyes now. Observe my Sabbaths and remember to rest in me. Remember your rest comes from me, not from anywhere else. Remember to rest. You don't make it happen, I do. And the ability that I give you to make wealth and create wealth is my gift to you. You need me still. So, number three. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my cards, I will send rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Now friends, in Christ, Jesus has done all of this on our behalf. We get like a free pass in. But it's not free. It's by his blood. But we still got to keep our eyes on him. We still got to follow his decrees. We still got to follow him. We still got to watch him. We still got to be with him and walk with him. But look what he says. He says, your threshing will, will continue. He says, I'll send your rain in its season. You'll get what you need when you need it to be fruitful. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest and the grape harvest will continue until planting. You will eat all the food you want 
and live in safety in your land. Yo, Lord. So you keep your eyes on you. I put my life in your hands. You'll give me what I need when I need it. We'll eat the food you need and you want and you live in safety. Friends, don't get distracted from him. Don't get distracted from him. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. Friends, do you believe that there's a place that we can live fearless in this land as believers? <laughs> that we can live fearless in this land. That we can live courageously in this land with our eyes fixed on him. This is what it means to be fruitful. We can lie down and not panic. So what it says, you live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land and you'll lie down and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. I will take out what needs to be taken out. You will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword. There will be disproportionate favor on your life where you will move forward in fives and disproportionately move many more than that. And the more unity you have, because if you move with 10, five of you will chase 100 and 100 of you will chase 10,000. So you put a, five will do this and put, if there's more unity with 100, even more so. It's the way of the kingdom of God. He says, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. Listen to this. This is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for me. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new one. You'll still be living on last month's salary. You have to put that into savings so that you can start living on the new one. Please, Jesus. Lord, can that be real? Please, Lord, make it real. You're designed for this, friends. My worry is that we haven't got a 30, 60, 100-fold expectation. I'll put my dwelling place among you. What is even more profound? I'll put my dwelling place among you. And I will not abhor you. I'll love you. I'll walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Fruitful. You will have such an abundance. You'll not get to spend last month's salary. You're not, you're not, you'll have more salary than the end of the month rather than more end of the month than more salary. And then I'll get to be with you and I'll walk with you because you are my people. Oh, Lord, make that revelation for us, Lord. Let us live in expectation for you to begin to do that amongst us. Leviticus 26. Every now and again, you just need to read that. 
and say, God, let that be true for us now. If it was true in Leviticus, how much more it is for those in Christ. So the first thing is this. Expect to be fruitful. God empowers us, gives us an inbuilt DNA to be fruitful. Second thing is to be fruitful, you need to sow. One of the reasons, there's two reasons why we're not fruitful. One, the soil is not right. And number two, we're not sowing. In fact, I'm incorrect by saying that. We are always producing fruit. It's just not good fruit. We're always sowing. It's just not always good sowing. But we need to sow godly fruit. We need to sow righteous fruit. We need to sow fruit that will begin to grow 50, 60, 100 fold for the kingdom. We cannot grow weary of sowing, friends. And I'm not talking about finances only, although that's part of it. My question to you is, what are you sowing? Are you sowing God's word? You know the first place that we've got to sow? No fruitfulness comes outside of God dealing with our hearts. Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speak. It's out of the abundance of our hearts that fruitfulness flows. Guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. What you put into your heart, the, and that's the word that's got to be sown into your heart. That's why elections around the world don't make you strong. It's the word of God that makes you strong. Leviticus 26 will put courage into you. This news, although it might be informative, not going to put courage into you. Word, God's word never returns void. Got to remain, I want to remind you of that. God's word never returns void. And the reason why it's got to be God's word is this. Actually, I mean, it's like so easy and so simple. I saw this this morning. In Isaiah 55, where it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it blood and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so, my, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and it will achieve the purpose for which I, get, I send it, okay? Text. We, we, many of us, if you've been in the church for any length of time, you'll know that. And if you haven't, I want to let you know, God's word always accomplishes what it's designed for. It's truth. Truth sets free. Truth opens up. And truth lasts. Truth works. If it's not working, it's not truth. Truth actually has impact. It, cha it changes things and it lasts. It produces fruit. And the reason why it's God's word that needs to do that Simply this, in Isaiah 55, the couple of verses before that, it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The reason why we've got to put God's word into us is that God's ways, our ways are not God's ways, and our thoughts are not God's thoughts. So if it's not God's word going into our hearts, we're doing things on a plane that's not God's ways or God's thoughts. 
God's thoughts and God's ways are in a, in a stratosphere different to the, what we live. We're going to be living down here if it's not God's word. And when I say God's word, I'm talking about what God's saying to you that lines up with the Bible as well. So it's the word of God which is the Bible and the words of God which match the scriptures. We live by every word that comes from his mouth. And the reason why it's his word that matters is because if it's not his word, it's our thoughts and our ways which are down here. You want to stay fruitful, you've got to be sowing. But the, you've got to be sowing God's word firstly into our hearts, friends. You've got to be sowing Jesus into your heart. You've got to be sowing time into our hearts. You've got to be with him. John 15, abide with me, remain with me, stay with me. If you are, you'll bear fruit, much fruit, lasting fruit. Stay in him. If we're going through our days and we're not giving a second thought to what God is doing or what God is saying or what God's saying to you and you're just making your plan, friends, you're thinking your thoughts and your ways, which are here. God's thoughts and God's ways are here. You're missing God. Time with God is not a, a, a religious thing that you do. It's time with Him to hear His Word, His words, His presence, His life, His strength, His courage, His affirmation, His acceptance, His love. It's not about you saying fancy prayers. And getting through your list, it's about being with him. Sow time. What are we sowing? What about sowing faithfulness? Being faithful. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Just be faithful. Faithful to him. Faithful to your wife. Faithful to your family. Faithful to your church community, faithful to the greater community, just faithful. I mean, there's just a whole list of what you can sow. What you sow, you will reap. I'm going to leave that for now. The third thing is the soils. The soils. Sowing. Don't stop sowing. Friends, if you're in a barren season, you've got to sow. If you stop sowing, if this is a barren season, put it this way. If this is a fruitful season, you reap, from this, you, you reap fruit from this, that, that season. The thing is, the seed for that season was planted down there. So it was planted then, and then you reaped it here. And then you eat this, and then you don't sow. As soon as you stop sowing, you stop harvesting, so there's nothing for the next season. If you're in, you never stop sowing. You keep putting seed in the ground. When you're in a barren season, you listen to God and you keep sowing. You keep sowing. You keep sowing because that seed will germinate somewhere along the line. But if you haven't put it in the ground, you're not going to reap it. You move into a season of fruitfulness, but you've got no seed, seed in the ground. Don't stop sowing. 
Don't stop sowing the word. Don't stop sowing time. Don't stop sowing Jesus. Don't stop sowing finances. Don't stop sowing patience. Don't stop sowing joy. Don't stop sowing. Just keep sowing. Because you will eventually reap that and reap that so that when the, when the season changes, there's seed in the ground which just flourishes. And you think, well, I'm in a barren season, I can't sow. No, that's when you keep sowing. So sowing. And then the second thing is the soils. There's four soil conditions. One, one of them produces a harvest. It's the good soil. It hears the word. When the word is sown, it hears it. It accepts it. It's no use just hearing the word. And the problem is when we've been walking with God a long time, you've heard it all before. So you hear it, but you don't receive it. You hear it, but you don't accept it. You hear it, but it's not working in you. Producing. You've got to hear it and let it produce in you. You've got to hear it. It's got to ex- you've got to accept it so that it can produce. It's a process. Hear the word of God and let it work in you, friends. It can come from all sorts of places. It can come from the scriptures as you read it. It can come from a preach on a Sunday. It can come from your friend who prophesies over you. It can come, but, but there's the word of God. It's got to be truth. It has to be his word coming through. The, thing, the good soil produces that. But there's three other soils that don't produce fruitfulness. Number one, a hard heart. Hard heart. We get a hard heart when our heart gets calloused because of hurt and disappointment. And often that hurt and disappointment comes from people in the church or people that you expected better from. So you harden your heart to Jesus. You harden your heart to the familiar. I've done this before, seen this before. You harden your heart when you're in sin. Hebrews talks about that. It says, be encouraged one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we're not walking in God's ways and God's will, slowly but surely erodes and hardens our heart. And then what happens is God wants to plant seed, but it can't get in, because it, and then the devil just snatches it away. We harden our heart, friends, with a religious heart. Jesus wants to heal on the Sabbath. The Pharisees are having a cadenza because what do you, how can you do that? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, he says to them? Do you do good or do you do harm? Do you save a life or kill on the Sabbath? I'm surely, I'm, I'm saving somebody here. Surely, surely it's good. And it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 4, it says, but they went silent. And then he looked around 
with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Offense, they were offended at Jesus. Offense hardens our heart, friends. Religious offense, any offense. That's why forgiveness is the way to freedom. Hardness of heart, there's a few others, I'm gonna leave them. Hardness of heart stops us from understanding. Stops us from processing, stops us from, you see Jesus in the boat and he says to the, 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 the disciples, he says, hey, did you guys bring the bread? And they're like, hang on, what the bread? What are you talking about? Did you bring lunch? And Jesus is like, because he speaks about the, the yeast of the Pharisees and the, the yeast of the Pharisees and the, what's it? Uh, Pilate, the, the religious and, and political spirit. He says, beware of, of, of Pilate and the Pharisees. But be, beware of the spirit of that. The, bread, the, the yeast of that. And they're like, hey, Flip, did we forget the bread behind? And he says to them, hey, guys, we've just come from me producing food for 5,000 people. And you think I'm worried about bread being left behind. I'm not talking to you about bread. I'm talking about a spirit entering you. And he says this, he says, are, you, are your hearts so hard that you don't understand me? When our hearts get hard, friends, we stop understanding. It limits what we can know of God. What about the shallow heart? Shallow, no depth in God. We keep it surface level. Not rooted in God. We live on the fringes, always the margins of what God's doing and never really get rooted. And then when trouble comes, it's like, ooh. Got to get rooted in him. What about the choked heart or the overcrowded or choked heart? He says you plant seed and it falls in the, in the thorns and the, in the thickets. And then what happens is the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and desires of other things comes and chokes it. These things stop us from being fruitful. Hardness of heart, a depth of relationship with God, depth of relationship with others. Your ability, I, I say this again, your ability to be vulnerable and real with your mates about who you are and how you're doing stops this thing from being dealt with by God in fruitfulness. Shallow. Shallow. Limits what God can do with us in our fruitfulness. And then you can have all these things, the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things just comes and chokes us up. All of those things are a lack of trust of God, lack of trust of Father for provision. And all we're doing is we've taken our eyes off of the Father, we've taken our eyes off of Leviticus 26, we've taken our eyes off of those amazing texts of promise for us, and we put our eyes on YouTube. And we believe that lie. And we believe the lie of our boss. 
and we believe the lie of the politicians and the economy and everything else. And I know those things are real, but we live in the real world, but we're citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We've got to trust God for a parallel economy for you and me in the kingdom of God so that we can be a blessing to those on this earth that, are not, that haven't got. We bring heaven to earth because earth hasn't got heaven. Quite simple. Everything on earth is choked. Everything on earth is worrying. Everything on earth is being deceit, deceitfulness of wealth. It's all about money and all the, and it's all being, in, actually our job, friend, is to lift our gaze to Jesus and bring heaven to earth so that his life and his love may bring the kingdom of God to earth. You see, friends, when the season is tough, when the season is tough, allow God to work on the soil of your heart so that you can become more fruitful. When the season is tough, and I, and I'm, I, don't, I hate saying you, when the season of, is tough, allow God to work on our hearts so that we can become more fruitful. Because when it's tough, and the options dry up, and you've got to dig deep to find water. There's no, you don't, you never find God like you do in those places. This is a profound time in the history of this nation for the church to dig deep. Father, I pray for every single one of these men that are carrying the weight of their families with, and trusting you for their own, for their provision and the opening up of business, creating markets and entrepreneuring, new developments. Think of Richie with his solar. Just... I pray, Lord God, help these men to dig deep in this time. Where the options seem few, Father, let them choose you, Lord. And where their hearts have become choked because of worry, because of the need of paying salaries and a whole bunch of people's salaries at the end of the month, I pray, Lord God, that you'd free them from worry. I pray that you'd free them from the choking. I pray that you'd free them from those, that deceitfulness of, of mammon screaming at them. That, Father, you put them into the freedom of the kingdom, Lord God. You pay. You create wealth. You give them the ability. You gave them their businesses, Lord. And I pray that you would bless them, Lord. I pray for all those that work for bosses and work for companies, that they would be an incredible blessing to their companies, Lord, that they'd bring peace and life to their business, those businesses, Lord God. That everything they do would be Leviticus 26. 
somehow their divisions would flourish. Somehow their departments would be full of peace and life and prosperity. I just thank you, Lord God, that even today, you're opening up international markets for people, Lord God. Cross the border markets, Lord, into Africa. Opportunities, Lord God. Not fly-by-night stuff, but opportunities for increase. Just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. When the soil is right and it receives the seed of your word, Lord, it produces 30, 60, 100-fold. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you've destined us for fruitfulness. Can we just stand? Can we just all of us stand? Just, Greg, can you? Richie just felt at the, at the beginning that just when I spoke about those stats of a, of a father being so instrumental in their family, that we can pray or declare that our families would be saved. That our children, that our children's children would come to know Jesus and live in the freedom of the kingdom. Live in the freedom of generational prosperity. I just thank you for that in your mighty name, Lord. I declare that right now in the name of Jesus. Where there are parents, where there are dads worried about their children and worried about their family and worried about their wives, I pray right now, worry about their grandchildren. I pray right now, Lord, that the seed that they have sown would bear fruit in their kids' lives, Lord. Pray that you would come against all discouragement, all words from the enemy saying, How can you? Who are you? You are such a bad father. The word in Leviticus 26 says, I will come and be abide with you, I will be with you. And I pray, Lord God, our homes would be full of you, Lord. Maybe there's some men here that have never bent their knee to you and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Maybe there's some men here that have followed you but have dropped off from you but actually want to follow you. Want to continue to follow you. I pray this morning, Lord God, we call out to you, Lord God. The word says that if we call out to you, your arm is not short. You hear our cries and you rescue us, Lord. You forgive our sins. You wipe away our shame. Let us be fruitful men. Thank you for that, Lord.
I just declare that over every single one of these men.